Design Huddle. I'm back with Mustafa. We got an awesome episode. We're talking about the psychology of waiting, loading animations, and Facebook. This also has to be one of you know Mustafa's expertise, so I'm excited to see what he's got on this topic. But any designers listening, um, basically, how can we make the load time, the spinning wheel of death, a little bit more bearable and kind of get into some design best practices as well in this episode? So Mustafa, kick it off. What do we got today? Okay, so we're looking at an experiment that was done by Facebook. Now, I'd like to um, start off with, this is highly unethical. <laughs> we're not suggesting anybody does this, but I think what the, the, what this story brings up is quite an interesting thing about pe- people's perception. Um, so Facebook, there's this story where a designer was speaking to um, a Facebook designer who shall not be named, uh, and we talked about an A-B test that uh, Facebook actually did some some few years ago, some time back a few years ago and they had like their generic spinner which was like three squares and they animate like from left to right um and then they actually created uh the ios spinner that you get which is like your typical thing that literally is a spinner that spins around um and what they found was whenever the app was slow and they used a facebook spinner like from their website uh people would blame the app for its slowness they say oh something's wrong with facebook this is a terrible app but when they switch the spinner to the iOS spinner, so it looks like something is happening in iOS. Wait, so within so the to app, be clear, the Facebook started... the space this Facebook loader was basically three bars lighting up from left to right, and then the iOS yep. was just the spinning wheel of death, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so when they did the Facebook one, people blamed the app so Facebook is slow. But when they in the A B test, they actually swapped with like the spinner of death within the Facebook app. People blamed iOS and blamed the interesting. System. So an interesting thing where things can slow down within an app, maybe things are taking too long to load, um, just by what we call blaming the system rather than blaming the, the app. It's a very interesting take, their people's perception. Because people will be much more patient with their operating system than they would with an app. Like with an app, you just try to force quit, right? You just get something wrong with that. But if it's Windows or Mac OS, you're, like, you're compelled to wait because this is the system. So I found this quite an interesting thing. Um, Another example in this article which we pulled out, which is quite an old article on um, Mercury.io, was uh, Marissa, Marissa Meyer, a former Googler, uh, pointed out that um, pages that took like half a second to load resulting in a, a 20% drop in traffic. And the story that Marissa pointed out where they actually got more results on a Google search page. And just by getting those more results, people dropped off because it was just like taking too long. And it, we're talking about half a second, which is nothing. But half a second plus latency, plus poor devices, plus old browsers, you could end up waiting much, much longer. And so people drop off in this. And this is like, you see this pattern again and again. Like we see um, websites which like you know improve their performance, and they see like conversions go up, and vice versa. Uh, there's like a, an example from um, the Financial Times website. The Financial Times is a is a website based in the UK, uh, very highly respected newspaper, but it's like a paywall. And so what they do, um, because it's a paywall, they can't target every single type of users for email campaigns or whatever. What they do is they look at users who regularly visit the site and they come up with this algorithm known as the tipping point. And so if an, a user comes and reads at least five articles a month, that's the type of user they try to target. However, they do it within the site if they can collect emails with whatever. But five articles a month is enough to encourage them to subscribe. And if they get them to like nine articles a month, then they're more likely to subscribe. 
but what they found was just by making I think it was like the website one second faster they improved engagement for everyone by five percent so just speed and like this perception of speed um, is really important especially on the web where again you have dead zones in countries like in like really big rich countries like in London you'll be on a bus and you go between two complete concrete block buildings internet connection dies like that uh, it's like what, what I call dead zones yeah. so having the speed and at least having a site cached so that it can con- continue with an experience um, and you know the Travago experience right like what they did with the game when uh, the, it, when a ex- website goes offline they will have this fun little pinball game like, well it's not pinball but it's like a pinball where you go through a ball through a maze um, and they found like something like 67% of users continued on with the experience when they came back online again it's like these distraction things or like passing the blame on the on the network or on the system actually does make an impact and i find that stuff fascinating highly unethical the facebook example again this was like in this it this article makes it suggest like it, this was in a bar a facebook designer told oh by the way we did this so i can't 100 percent validate this but um yeah it's quite an interesting story no, it, it's super it's super interesting and i think like the perception of speed is is a growing topic of interest the one thing that you mentioned there, I think is a really interesting point related to this, is that anytime your site has a dead end, it's a bad experience. So a lot of times yeah. is that, um, you know, it's like if you go to a, one of my favorite examples of a non-dead end is like, you know, the, what you really should do is a redirect. But it, have you ever seen like incredibly designed 404s? You know what I mean? Like they're beautifully yeah. designed 404s as like a way to like. Well, there's a Russian website one where it's like the construction website where they're ba- all the, the construction guys on the website. It's like a vector graphic and they're all dancing. Yeah. And the music's so <laughs> joyous that you'll sit there and listen to the whole. Yeah. Song. So it's like my my and it's similar to like if you're on an e-com site and you know you search for you know shoes and uh, you get and you bring back no results rather than related topics. So the journey doesn't end. You're yeah. giving them suggestions of other things that might, you know, keep them um, engaged or trying to meet their goals. So back to this perception of speed though, I just wanted to get your take. Like um, if you're say that there's a designer listening and they're, they're in the process of kind of um, iterating on different options for load screens like where would you where would you start? Like what do you think a an ethical and well designed, you know, uh, loading screen looks like today? So um, there's a couple of things from like research which I've done myself. Um, well, there's a talk I gave like in regards to designing for speed, designing for friction, um, and so what you see is uh, skeleton screens. So basically, it's like content placeholders. Usually, they're gray boxes. That actually works quite well. Uh, loading in um, frosted or pixelated images first and then replacing them with high-quality ones. Uh, basically, you want to get content in as soon as possible. So Medium, LinkedIn, they do like these content placeholders or frosted, like Medium does think header images are frosted slightly before the full one comes in. Um, basically, if you've got a blank page, people don't know what's going on and you need to fill it with content just to reassure the user that something's coming. Um, so... How, how would Frosted you, images, for, if, if people aren't familiar with the skeleton screen, how would you, how would you describe it? So if you were to open up Google Maps, they do skeleton screens on there as well. So basically, you've got, say, like Maps or Medium or LinkedIn. Uh, when you first open it, I think Facebook does this as well, actually. 
you'll see lots of gray boxes where the content is and it won't be 100% accurate but it's basically telling the user content's loading and it's coming and it'll be in this space here so a big box for the images lots of gray lines for the text and then they swap it out the moment the content is there that's pretty much the the um the basis of a so it's giving the screen. reader the only a, downs like a hierarchy or like, like an organization of what the page will look like when it's done rendering yeah, pretty much. Yes, yeah, so, like, yeah. so and, and as the sort of the term suggests, like it's the skeleton of the page, basically, um, and it's not hundred percent accurate. So you don't have to make sure that you know some articles or some designs will have the images will be bigger on the other. That's not the point. The point is showing something rather than showing nothing. Um, the only danger with grey boxes is that when you ask the users feedback, they think it's broken because you know, especially on the web and UI, grey is always like disabled or not working. Like is is the color of choice, um, so gray is, is 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 perhaps maybe not the best thing. So what you see like Google photo uh, is it Google Photos or Google Photo Search? Uh, what they do is they show a base color of the image. So if the image is mostly red, they'll show like a tone of red to represent that. I mean, if you can get an engineer to do that for you, just like a sort of replacement. I think there are like libraries and and frameworks where you can actually do something similar to that online, um, and that way it brings some color into the page while the page is loading. So that can be quite cool as an alternative. Um, but the other one is just like frosted images. So you, the image when it's coming in is just really low pixel. And for designers, we like to see the finished thing. So when we design, we always design the finished load state. But um, when you look at the UX hierarchy of importance on the web, the most important thing is speed. So showing something, even if it's partially loaded, is better than showing, any, is better than showing um, nothing. Um, Especially if the site or app you're working on is uh, like a service, like an e-commerce site or something like that. If it's like a, a game, then the, the, there's a kind of, uh, it's, again, it's all contextual. So there's kind of expectation that people will download the whole thing first and then play. Because uh, it's expected that those things will be much larger. But if it's an actual service or a system that someone has to do an, an activity, like purchase a ticket or, you know, use a map or whatever then you kind of have to use these techniques to speed the person along as much quickly as possible. Otherwise, if they get bored, they'll just abandon and find another experience. So that's super, that's that's great insight. And I think um, a lot of times developers get the heat for this when I think it's, it's a shared responsibility between both engineering, product, and design teams. So a lot of times yeah. designers throw over the fence like these awesome designs, the marketing team probably had buy-in, they have you know high-res images, a bunch of third-party tracking pixels, the page is heavy. So as a designer, you know, the, as designers, how can you help bridge this conversation to make sure that everyone's thinking and trying to get the best experience possible while also making sure that your end design looks beautiful? Yeah, the thing, I think the challenge is, is we always design the last state. We don't think about the apps in terms of state, like loading state, empty state, uh, partial, partially loaded state. We just designed the final thing, right, as pages. Um, so oftentimes you're just leaving it to the engineer to figure it out. So the engineer will always keep going back, what do we do in this? And because you haven't really considered it, if you're working on another project, you'd be like, I just do whatever. So then that part of the experience breaks. So really you want to be thinking about when content is coming in, imagine if there's a little bit, if there's a lot, um, if it's broken, if the typeface doesn't load, like try and think of all the different potential states. And this is where you can actually sit down with the engineer and say, okay, this is the final thing, but I need to figure out what's the loading state, what's the empty state. So the empty state is like a term where what's the first thing a person sees? Is there onboarding? Is it a wizard? Is there um, a tooltip? Is it just nothing with just a signal saying 
you need to do this to start the app. Um, and so you, then you actually start getting into the weeds of becoming a proper UX designer where you're actually designing flows and states and use cases and then user personas. So a, an existing user who has data but just wants to load the app for the first time on a new device. Do you know what I mean? Where you're actually designing the state of the app rather than a page of the app. So um, that I think that's super clear. I guess like one other question on this topic is, so designing, you know, offline states, loading states, etc. How do you make sure you're not over indexing or spending too much time um, on like one area? Like, for example, like, maybe you maybe you're if you're a designer in New York City right now, you're thinking like, oh, you know, like offline mode can't be that popular. Like, the subways have Wi Fi, we have, you know, four and 5g, like, why should I be spending time on an offline mode? So can you talk about like if it is, as a designer, how you would think about dividing your time, making sure you're not over indexing, but also making sure you're thinking about, you know, the different states? Well, I mean, the thing is, it depends on your business, right? And I say whenever you're designing anything, especially when it's like a system wide thing, focus on one thing that you really put your effort and energy in. make sure the rest of it's constant, but try and make that one thing really, really powerful. So maybe it's not the offline, maybe there's an offline game that you design, but that's it. You don't try to go to town with everything. And again, this is an iterative thing over a course of design, like sprints, not just design sprints, but engineering sprints. Oops. Um, and so that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is there was a story told by, um, I think there were three Jewish guys who were trying to set up a dating agency for like um, the Jewish community. And so the Jewish community have like a, a very specific way of dating there always has to be a chaperone because of just like cultural and religious practices but what they found is i think it was based in new york but they weren't able to um the business didn't go too well and they were going to shut it down but what they found was this this site saw this massive spike of of interest in india and was like a lot large user base because what they found was the similar thing that the jewish community have culturally they have in india as well and so what they did was they went over to India, they opened up an office, they rebranded and just pitched it straight at the Indian market. And it, the app was a, a huge success. I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure we can find a link and add it in the description. The point I'm making is you don't know where your business is going to be. You don't know who your audience will be when you first start out. What you think the app will be may not actually be what people want. You know, it's like in the social network, the Facebook films, like when they're arguing about advertising, we don't even know what this app website is yet. We don't even know what it could be. And it's like that kind of thing. Um, when you're designing something, you may not realize that the audience isn't who you think it is. Um, and that's where you're crossing design and business. So I'd say from a practical point of view, focus on one element that you can and develop it. Don't think of your systems as a finished thing. It's an iterative process and you have to, you know, keep working on it. Um, and also you have to make the work interesting for yourself, your portfolio. You don't just want to just make these, you know, um, like, you know, every error message is just a red box above the text and stuff you want to make this interesting for for your for your users as well and engaging so yeah i mean just try at least one thing and all you need is one one win and then the business will buy into your experimentation and exploration as well um so yeah that's what Do i would you think say you have that. to like, like getting back to the actual um like like transitioning back to like the actual perceived performance so um I don't, I think the idea that I struggle with a little bit is the idea that like the people use perceived performance. They think it's the idea of tricking your user into thinking the site loads faster than it actually is rather yeah. than just being like, I like it when it says like, um, 
like some load screens will say like all of the complicated things they're doing in the background. It's like, you know, compiling files. Like, like I think a lot of video games do that. Well, the, like the load screen tells you like all of the things that are happening in the background to me, like that's my favorite type of like loading experience (laughs) because it's giving context of like, you know, what's going on under the sheets. Why not Blizzard, the um, uh, the games company? They have a game called, I think it's Hear of Stone or Hear Stone, Heartstone. I can pronounce Hear of Stone because I'm dyslexic. But <laughs> um, they have a loading screen, but it will say because it's it's all about it's a, basically it's a card game, and the it's supposedly in a bar and you're playing with other people in this tavern, uh, rather. Um, and so the loading screen will have like where you would have system loading. They'll say cleaning up bar stools, uh, you know. Uh, mopping up beer, you know, just like basically, yeah, it's yeah. like the, <laughs> imagine if it, if the basically it's the loading screen of real life, right? But it's like the system things of like, okay, pouring out a new drink, or you know, kicking out a drunk person or whatever. So that's quite that's like take, taking that concept and flipping it on its head. But most people, like most users, won't necessarily understand this language, and it makes it inaccessible to them. Is one aspect of that as the sort of the downside to that. Um, the other thing is. People, uh, people are impatient, and you know the reality is, you know, grits take seven minutes. You can't make it in five minutes. You could, but it'll be terrible, right? Or there was the um, the meme that was going about this illustrator. We took an hour to draw Spider Man. It looked perfect. It took ten minutes. It looked like a sketch. It took ten seconds. And it looked like terrible. And it's like nothing fast is necessarily good in terms of quality, well, or food right. or whatever, or even expectation of art. Um, but people are still going to be impatient, especially when it comes to services. Um, so if you're a business and your um, competitor is taking a millisecond to load and you're taking 10 seconds, that's going to affect your business. Right. So you have to think of that as well. I think you're just um, getting to like making the- everything a little bit more human and having empathy for the person's time. And I think there is a threshold where people will wait. I think... Uh, the, the the threshold for weight is decreasing. People are becoming like you mentioned. Humans are in, in, in you know, naturally impatient, but I think they're becoming even more impatient. So creating a human experience that's not misleading is it, it's actually a really like the more I think about it, this is such a simple thing that we take for granted, but it's actually a very difficult design challenge in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is is context, right? Like. Everything is trying to grab our attention. Yeah. Like one example is like advice that I saw someone giving like designers is when you have your phone, turn it upside down and put it behind your monitor. Otherwise, the messages and notifications will distract you while you're doing your work, and you need silence to work. And so, because everything's grabbing your attention, you know, you could be in the supermarket and you need to search something, or you could be out and about and there's poor network connectivity. Um, especially when you're traveling and out about, your threshold for patience is weaned a lot and especially like small kids and it's raining and you know all the sort of life things those are the things added together which will make perhaps a normal experience seem really bad like so i think when there was research done by google they said like a third of technically fast sites were considered slow or perceived slow by users so and again and that's all down to context you know people moving around internet connectivity going slow for a brief moment perhaps they're under a lot of stress, you know, like travel uh, is the most stressful thing, especially like airplane travel, like the most stressful thing. If someone's trying to find something in that environment, something that's three seconds in the real world, 
may actually be like one second, like may feel like 30 seconds to them. But there was a book called Engineering Time by, um, I forgot his name, but he's like a PhD. He used to work at Microsoft. Uh, he may be still there. But uh, he um, he gave an example of like no two bits of time are the same. So he, if you have a loading bar, uh, the engineering way of doing it is every 10 seconds um, you, you represent in the loading bar in terms of a percent. Also, say file size, say it's like 10 megabyte, you you show like 10% of that in the actual bar. But he says like, you know, the first few seconds are actually, uh, people are much more patient. And the last few seconds, people are really impatient. So what you do, so showing representing 10% uh, for like, you know, a megabyte of 10 megabytes, what you do is you show 30% of the bar filled, even though one megabyte is loaded. Because people's, people will be like reassured that it's coming along and it's really yeah. quick. And if you leave the, the last bit, like, you know, just takes um, uh, a bit longer or a bit shorter. So you, you, you know, so maybe the first bit is like three megabytes, for example. Like the way you flip it is basically you hack the time. So it feels like um, it's getting quicker towards the end rather than you just doing exactly the same amount throughout the entire every time it's loading. So, yeah. So and it's like when I read that, I was like, wow, that's actually quite a clever way of doing it because it's not so much that you're trying to fool the person. It's just the way we perceive time is down to what's going on around us at that moment. If we're sat down, things feel normal. When we're moving about, things feel slower. And again, maybe it's to do with the adrenaline pumping through our system. And, you know, we perceive time differently depending on our anxiousness, our comfortability. Um, so it, it's not a binary of are we fooling people or being unethical. It's the way people perceive time means that you're basically aiding them in a way to help them make the right decisions um, and trying to mitigate the other external factors, which is making them feel like this is taking longer. Yeah, no, I think that's a great breakdown. <laughs> I sound like a, I sound like such a BS artist right now. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's no, interesting. Like, I mean, like, you know, I think it's good. I mean, like, we're getting really into the psychology here. Like, the psychology of waiting is, like, the kind of the underlying theme of this episode. But, um, you know, this is not my expertise at all. Like, I don't have much experience here other than the basics. But I think we have some really good actionable ways to make your loading animations, you know, more human, more effective. Um, so thanks for those tips. That was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, anything else before, yeah, it's pretty we, uh, there. I mean, before, we, before we drop? No, I mean, I just say, like, the Facebook example back in the beginning, blame the system. It, it's not so much we're saying do that. But it's like make the consideration of how people will perceive things um, is basically the message that we're sending. So, yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, another episode in the books. Thanks, everyone, for joining. If you haven't done yet, thank you very much. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter and tune in every Monday for new episodes of Design Huddle. Thanks, everyone. Peace. All right, dude. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.